Hello, listeners of the ASI Podcast. This is Russ Shaw, episode 112. And that, my friends, is the Rolling Stones. Start me up. 2011 coming soon. And uh, I love New Year's because, uh, first of all, it's my wife's birthday, New Year's Eve. My wife was born on the last few hours of the 60s. 1969, she was born in... uh, yeah, just uh, it's like two o'clock in the afternoon or something like that. So she just caught the tail end of the '60s. Born in 1969, my baby Dana, my wife's birthday. I love my wife so very much, and she's given me way more grace than I deserve. So, yes, New Year's Eve. Uh, New Year's Day is another another dot on the map. Another signifier of the birth of Christ Anno Domini right the year of our Lord 2011 that is the mark that Jesus Christ has made on human history with the uh, the mark on the calendar right but there's something else to uh, to the new year it's, it's like a it's like a new beginning. It's just the reminder of a new beginning. And I've talked about that a lot on this show, that every day is a brand new page. Like you're, you wake up and you take on the day, and it's a, just a new page in your life. You're writing every chapter of your life with the decisions that we make, with the attitudes that we adopt, with the day-by-day living we do. We are writing on the pages of our life, and there's something about the new year that just brings that to mind more than any other day. And for whatever reason, I think a lot of it has to do with the the changing of that year date. You know, like every document you do, you're gonna have to write that date down. It's gonna be 11 now. You know, whether you do banking information or whatever you do, you're gonna have to write an 11 instead of a 10. That's a daily reminder for the next 365 days that it is a new year. And living on purpose, living with intention, living with, uh, all right, I'm going to take on this year and things are going to be different. I I pray that that's your attitude. It's it's mine, again. And so taking on this next year, I'm excited about 2011. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be a new year. It's gonna be a new growth. It's gonna be new pressing forward into new territory, and I'm uh, I'm excited about it. That's why I play that song by the Rolling Stones. Start me up. Yes, it's an old song, I know, but it's it's the 2011 attitude to adopt. Get started. Get this new attitude. Put it on talk about how to do that a little later. I wanted to go over some of the the notes from the 7th commandment, closing it out, and the 8th commandment. I'm going to take on in the next uh, series of shows in the new year here. 
and uh, from John Frame. The lectures by John Frame. John Frame is a, a professor, a theologian at uh, Reformed Theological Seminary. He's taught at several different seminaries. The guy's written a, a slew of books. Um, love this man. Very sharp, very bright guy. A lot, lot smarter than I am. So, I'm going to go over some of the some of the notes that I have and, and uh, some of the things that he said and, and help inspire this series of shows. Um, we are obligated to Christ. We're obligated to God through Christ as a bride. And that's what I talked about in the last episode, episode 111. Um, dear to my heart, that, that message, that God actually loves us that much. It's it's mind blowing to 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 understand that that the, this huge galaxy, um, the the purpose of it, the synchronicity of it, the complexity of it, it, it that he loves us that much that that we are known that deeply. The Bible says he knows the hairs on our head. And he knows a star burning billions of light years away. That's a gazillion times bigger than we are. You know, I mean, this, this, this sense that there is no God is just, if you get your mind, even your mind around it, if you can get to the roots of it, it's just irrational. All right? The world is complex. Like a, use the philosopher that says, like a watch. If the world is made like a watch, then there has to be a creator. If the universe is that complex, there needs to be a designer. And that he would love each and every one of us who choose him, who choose to love him, who choose to to wrap our, our hearts around this understanding that God became a man and build that relationship with him. Through that understanding that we would be obligated to him like a bride. I just, I love that. That kind of love is, is blows my mind and opens my heart. So, I have a lot of notes to get through. So, um, sexually growing like the cultural mandate. Um, if you don't know what the cultural mandate is, it's in the book of Genesis where God creates the world. God creates us people and then he gives us the cultural mandate that we would build culture, that we would make culture that we would um, grab the resources that this planet has and, and be good stewards of the planet and build culture from that sexuality is the mandate that uh, would build the culture um, in a structure of a, of a relationship that we have totally jacked up and screwed up and and we live in the wake of that because of the the disease of sin right this fracture this like a computer virus that has been put out since our first mother and father sinned against God and and fractured everything God is not punishing everyone for what they did. Okay, that's just a myth. For college professors say that. That's not true. Everything that happens is a ripple effect for that. 
And that's what happened. That we would know good and evil and goes right into the cultural mandate. So for us to, to push that back, you know, work. In the new C.S. Lewis, uh, the film that's coming out, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, I haven't seen it yet. Um, the book, there's a, a mouse, I, I believe it's a mouse, that's in the book. And, and he C.S. Lewis touches on this creature who was made for a better place, right? Like he lives in this one world, but the world that he's actually from is is better and it's and he's made for that place. And I think that's part of the culture mandate that laziness becomes this thing that kind of grows on us because we're not built to toil. God didn't that's part of the curse. God didn't make us to have to toil. The, our first father and mother didn't have to toil to survive, to get along. We do. And that's part of the cultural mandate, knowing good and evil. Because of that, again, fracture, that virus, that break, we have to work really hard. Some of us toil. Another uh, one of the notes that John Frame said, a man who will cheat, a man or a woman who will cheat on his wife or her husband is the kind of character, the kind of person who will run from God when life gets hard. Finding escape. Looking for a kind of escape. Like we can run from God. Like we can do something that God won't see, right? just not true. God loves us. God sees everything. There's nobody getting away with anything. God knows all of it. Another thing that John Frame touched on, and it's something that we see around Christmas time, and in almost every Christmas carol, is the existence of angels. Whether you believe that or not, angels are real. Demons are real. Angels are real. Doing God's work, ministering to us, Praying for the Holy Spirit. Praying for God to give someone the Holy Spirit. Praying for those ministering angels to, to speak into the, the, that spirit. To love that person. Right? These are, Angels are real. Angels are true. Angels are all around us. And they affected the ethics of the first century. Okay, they, they affected the ethics of, of peoples long, long before us. I, I'm not sure why we're so disconnected from the reality of angels, but they do exist. They are real. And again, God sees everything. And angels see it. Right? We're not getting away with it. There's other beings around us when we think we're getting away with something. It's just the way things are. This is the theology Again, under the psychology, under the behavior modification. The, uh, okay, this is the this is true theology, man. And if you struggle to believe that, that's cool. Send me an email. It's Russ at ASI247.org. That's my email address. If you want to talk more about stuff like that? Um, existence of angels. I was a cheater. I was an adulterer. 
pornography, from pornography to just outright doing what I I did. It, it was running from God. It was all running from God. It's finding escape. It's addiction. Um, here's another thing uh, John Frame said. Adultery is covenantal treason. Okay, you take a covenant. You, you make an oath before God. Covenant. When you get married, that's a blood covenant. And just like in the military, when you join the military, you fight for your country, and then you do something treasonous, like you help the other side. It's kind of the, along those lines. That is what adultery is. It's, it's breaking a blood covenant and committing treason. And if not for the redemption of Jesus Christ and the grace and forgiveness of my wife, I'm, I'm a... I'm a treasonous, and I am, but forgiven of that. Mind-blowing, the grace of God, creator of the universe. I deserve hell for treason, and God has shown his grace. I'm no longer that person. Because of God's love for me, not because I'm a good person or I did, you know, I wanted to be do this because that way I gain favor with God because uh, no I did it because I love him I, I, I've broken that chain say Jesus has broken that chain of addiction through love through his grace through me realizing that I committed treason and the fact that I've been forgiven for it melts my heart get this thing taken care of man before you get married I'm telling you get this addiction out of you before you get married alright it's so incredibly important marriage is the ceremony of marriages making this blood covenant this unbreakable blood covenant between you and another human being sexually yes through your genitals a blood covenant is made that there's the ceremony and that there's afterward the vows would be like like codified through sexual intercourse through that coming together that's that whole picture that ceremony that blood covenant being brought. It's a beautiful, beautiful language. It's a beautiful act. It's the way God designed it to be. That this surface, casual type of sex that is so prevalent in our culture is part of the idolatry of our culture. Like, moving into a culture that worships, I mean, just going back to ancient times and, and seeing a culture that worships some weird, strange God. That this is part of this act. Taking something that is sacred, right? This is what I've done. I was raised and went towards that weird sense of worship over there. That breaking this sacred covenantal idea that God had of sex. And worshiping a, a totally sick, false, warped God. 
Um, another thing that John Frame talked about is our culture and uh, childbirth as uncleanness. That's another part of this weird um, false god and this religion that's uh, propagated right in our culture is that there's an uncleanness tied to having children. You know, there's this weird crowd out there that says that the planet's overpopulated. Can I tell you something? Some of the cities are, and that has more to do with the way the governments work than it does um, overpopulation. That's just a myth, okay? It's jacked up sinful human beings running governments like dictators and, and strange false gods who, who you know, people starve to death while 900 to 1500 pound animals go walking around past them, okay? Not trying to, you know, mention any names, but uh, you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, all right, I won't mention their name, but their initials are India, all right? got big fatted cows walking around while your people starve to death because you believe in a false god. I mean, that's part of it. The world has a structure and a rhythm. And our sexuality, looking at uncleanness tied to childbirth. Um, the pastor of the church I go to, Mark Driscoll, has five kids. And in, in Seattle, there's a lot of this weird crowd that, that gives the stink eye to Pastor Mark and because, for having five kids, like that's somehow irresponsible. Um, statistically, here's a here's a little scientific study that's been done. You can take the what is it, five billion people, close to five billion people on the planet. You could give them each fifteen hundred square feet of space, and they would fit into a space a little bigger than the spot the the state of Texas. All right. I used to live in Alaska. They would fit in Alaska, okay? And if all the Texas people don't be quiet, all right? You Texas people, I love you guys down there in Texas, but if you don't shut up, we're going to cut Alaska in half and make you the third largest state, all right? <laughs> I'm messing with you. I know. It's funny, though. It's true. Uh, but anyway, this, this overpopulation myth that's out there, it's just, it's just goofy. It's godless, jacked-up governments that are killing people. People are born into these places, and, you know, sadly, that's what happens. I mean, the overpopulation of the world are in cities that can't handle the growth because of their sin. Because of the sin. Well, they don't know anybody. I know, and they need people to teach them. And we love them. I'm not condemning them. We're all sinful, jacked-up human beings, and some cultures work better than others. Our culture being brought down with the... Uh, don't get me started on the, the money thing. I mean, we don't even know starvation and hunger and poverty. I'm calling this the Great Recession. It's nothing like the Depression. Anyhow, going on, moving on. Here we go. Pornea, Dr. John Frame said about pornea being the, the definition of that, being unclean sexual practice or the worship of these false gods like Baal and stuff like that through pornea, through this unclean sexual act. We, we get the word pornography from this ancient Greek word pornea. It actually went back to um, worship 
the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 22, um, talking about the penalties of sexual uncleanness or this worship of a false god through porneia. Um, that whole chapter dealing with that, not the whole chapter, but um, a lot of it. Um, that's closing out my notes on the, the seventh commandment. The eighth commandment is going to be very similar to adultery in theft as far as sexual ethics are concerned. Um, the eighth commandment, the Hebrew translation of that is thou shalt not steal. Don't steal stuff. Underlying truths uh, besides the obvious, you know, you don't take something that's not yours, right? One of the devastating um, truths about this commandment is talking about the blessed wealthy. Um, and I could totally go into some political stuff on this, but I'm not. I don't get political on the show. Uh, but the blessed wealthy, the blessed rich, part of our, our suffering here in the United States economically is we've been given and we live way more beyond our means than we, we need to. We have way more than we need. And we feel like we're dying if we don't get th that new next thing that... I mean, people are on depression medication in this country like no other country, yet we're the most blessed and wealthiest country in the in the world, right? Here in the U.S. Um, but this, the blessed wealthy, um, stealing from the poor, and, and, and capitalizing on the downtrodden, some of the stories, and Triple X Church has got some, some amazing stories of, of women who were in the porn industry, uh, right? Women and guys who, who fall into that life because of the jacked up situations in their home. Um, Jesus himself saying that, as you've done to the least of these, you've done to me. Take care of the poor. Take care of the downtrodden. Take care of the jacked up, messed up people who didn't have what you had, who suffered through horrible childhoods and horrible situations. Love those people like you love me. Visit them in prison, Jesus said, all right? He's not just talking about the good people. For crying out loud, man, I just get so sick of religious people on these topics and looking at these folks like they're just scum of the earth. Man, they're human beings. They're bought by Christ's blood through His grace. And they realize the blood of God sacrificed on the cross. When they see that, when the, they can cut through the sick religion that's out there, having them believe lies that have them running away from God rather than to Him. Man, I get emotional about this subject. But there are... Listen, no one's getting away with anything, right? The wealthy, the so-called wealthy who are profiting off of these films, off of prostitutes, and they're not getting away with anything. Even if they live to be 100 years old, live a lavish lifestyle, they still have to die. And they will face a holy God. So, another form of uh, theft from the like, John Frame notes on the Eighth Commandment are um, forgiveness. There's a lot of scripture on this. That we've been 
forgiven. Excuse me, seatbelt. Right, hold on. Uh, we've been forgiven our, our trespasses, but Jesus has forgiven us. And when we don't forgive others, it is like stealing. It is like stealing from God. It is a form of theft. Um, between that idea and between the, the reality of what we've done as sexual addicts in consuming pornography, buying prostitutes, one of the things I want you to remember for 2010, and this is a, a big idea that I want you to, to get your mind around, to get your heart around, for 2010. I saw this film, Inception. Love this film. Here you go, a little music. So if you haven't seen Inception, my uh, homework for you is to watch that movie. I almost wonder if the, the guy who wrote it is a listener to the show. And you'll see why if you watch the, the movie talking about uh, going through these three levels. Um, the definition of hedonism. See, the thing about theft, and in the movie, the, the character, the main character in the film is a thief. Okay, and he's uh, goes into people's minds to steal secrets. That's his job. And through this process of, of doing this, and through this world that he's discovered, he's taken himself into the down through these three layers of his own identity to get to the core of his soul to figure out what drives him and where his desires actually lay. And I, and I love that that language of, of this film but the focus being on the main character being this thief and it goes back to this this concept of hedonism which is which is following pleasure right that pleasure is the only intrinsic good is what a, a hedonist would say going deeper than that going to the depths of that uh, Matt Chandler Dallas Texas talking about Christian hedonism I would consider myself Christian hedonist, okay? That pleasure is is not is contrived through God. God created it. It's God's idea. God is the creator, the master of pleasure, of love, and that third level depth of pleasure comes through love. And the only reason we steal, the only reason we rip God off, the only reason we do that is because we don't really trust him. We don't really understand this concept of the desire that can be fueled and fired up in our heart, this, this concept of love that he's created. Um, Matthew 9 verse 34, but the Pharisee said he casts out demons by the prince of demons, right? They accuse him of being a demon himself because he's doing these things. They don't trust Jesus. They don't trust who he is. This is the religious people. And ultimately, they kill him, right? They put him on the cross and they crucify him. But Jesus showing that he is the ultimate authority, that the world will submit to him someday. He comes back three days later, all right? This is a huge piece of 
history as well. If Jesus' bones are found in the desert, they find his DNA, there's no Christianity. The truth is, that's not true. He's alive. Jesus is alive. Jesus is God in human flesh that walked the earth because he loves us. We don't trust that. That's getting through down into these deeper layers. We can say it religiously. If you're a Christian believer, yeah, I believe that. Being addicted to pornography. This is getting below, okay, the behavior modification. This is getting underneath the layers of New Year's, man. The gyms are gonna fill up with people and it's gonna be packed at the, the gym. Diets are going to be started, and a month later, most of those people are going to quit those diets because it's all behavior modification, and they're trying to push their way through, toil their way through this. Getting to the third level depth of passion and desire for life, that's where change comes. Not through forcing yourself. And it's sexual ethics and sexual addiction is going to be overcome by loving God and understanding that he made it and he's, he's on your side and he loves you and he wants you to experience that pleasure through love. Romans 8 verse 15, you, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons who cry out, Abba, Father. This is the language of Daddy, Father, help me, running to Dad, right? The religious people who say, you, you do this list of rules and then I'll love you. I mean, that's how what they believe. God doesn't love you unless you're doing his list of rules. It'd be like, like Pastor Mark says, putting a list of things to do, chores in front of your kids and then saying, when you finish your chores, then I'll love you. If you don't do your chores, I don't love you. That's not our God. That's not love. 1 John 4, no one has ever seen God. If we know one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. 1 John um, 4, skipping up to verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment. Whoever fears has not been perfected in love. It's this burning light of love that drives out fear, that pushes it out. We start to see that God's idea for sexuality is a better one than ours. And we start to trust Him, we start to set in that, let our hearts rest in that. Being well with hearts resting in that instead of just through begrudging submission trying to stop as hard as you can listen let me tell you something my friend who uh, selling his iPhone he just doesn't trust himself with it can I tell you something selling it getting rid of your iPhone for a, a season good idea I don't think you need to sell your technology your iPhone your Android can that stuff cause you to slip no your desire causes you to slip all right? Getting rid of that stuff for a season is good, but ultimately, love and desiring God will keep you from wanting to do those things. I have an Android phone. When I was a sex addict, 
it will, I would have loved that thing. I no longer desire that stuff anymore, and you can get there. You can get there. But it's trusting God. Believing that His... He loves you, first of all. And that His promises are true and real. My name is Russ Shaw. This has been ASI, Attitudes of Sexual Integrity. Looking forward to 2011. Um, if you could leave a donation, I would appreciate it. Uh, more than that, if you could leave a review of the show, I would certainly appreciate it. Um, on iTunes, however you listen, whichever aggregate, um, to take a little time and, and leave a review. I mean, I would certainly appreciate it. I love you guys. I thank you for, for listening. I want to close out 2010 with a prayer. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the opportunity to speak into the lives of these. And I pray show them your love. I pray that you would light them up. I pray that you would ignite that fire. That you would bring people into their lives to, to put just the right amount of kindling around their heart to ignite that fire, Lord Jesus. The desire that they would have this burning, passionate desire for you. Loving you. Realizing that it's through you that the ultimate joy, ultimate pleasure, the ultimate verve and zest for life, that's where it's found. It's in your life, in your name, to live as Christ. I pray that you help us, Lord. Help us live. Help us live. Help us be that light. We talk about Matthew 5, Lord Jesus, that we'd shine bright for you, who brings ultimate joy with a third-level joy that's so much deeper than surface-level happiness. In Jesus' holy and precious name, I love you, Lord God. Amen. Till next time. Till next year. Bye.